1: I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us.
2: <laughs> it's probably, like getting grade ten sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time. Whether you know, there's two types of turds. You're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're we're we are about players and players playing the plays, and not necessarily the plays.
1: Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Back after one week hiatus. Joining me is Aaron Sorensen. We we're going to do this podcast last week. Uh, so we're making up for it this week, Erin. Hello, how are you?
0: I'm good. I'm glad to find. Like last week was was wild. You ran you ran through it all with flight, so it's okay. Like I'm just happy to be here this week.
1: <laughs> Fun, yeah. And then, um, yeah, because my flight out to Los Angeles was a mess, and then my flight back from Los Angeles to Chicago was even worse.
0: Oh no! Like I, in, I didn't uh, even ask.
1: Yeah, I was I was in airport. I was in the airport. Um, in an airport or on an airplane for 12 hours Saturday. Oh my um, gosh. So that was that was a whole lot of fun. And also LAX has like put mask mandates back into place. So that was oh, a whole thing going on. LAX did. And, and I found out that O'Hare did as I was walking out of the building. Really? Late, late Saturday night. Yeah. So that's a that was a whole other thing to add to the...
0: I was just in O'Hare on Monday and Tuesday. And I would not have known that.
1: I don't think they're enforcing it.
0: Oh well, but okay. I did see.
1: I saw signage, which and like that's why you know as I'm walking through the airport, I didn't realize it, and then I get outside and I see a sign on the front, and it was a new sign because I don't remember seeing it, you know, a couple weeks ago when we flew. But yeah, I don't think they're enforcing it, so that was all fun. Um Yeah, you were you were back in uh, you were in Chicago recently I was. for uh, volleyball Big Ten media day. So I have to ask you, you and Jacob were here. Where'd you guys go to eat? <laughs> Shake Shack. <laughs> Come on!
0: Um, he's never had Shake Kitchak Shack before, so I took him, and he thought it was good. So that's a win in my book.
1: Jacob has never had Shake Shack
0: before. He has not. So he, we both got a Shack burger. He got just regular fries. I got fries with cheese sauce. You have to. Um, and then he got a strawberry lemonade. I got a regular lemonade. And then uh, he got a strawberry shake, and I got their like one of their like current like special shakes right now. So. Oh. Just really special time.
1: I'm surprised that he hasn't been considering like every time you are in like a, vic- in the vicinity of Chicago, you try to go to Shake Shack. I'm surprised because he's been, he's he'd been on trips with us to the area before. Hadn't he?
0: Yeah. But like, I, I don't know. Like, I know that when he was there at big 10 basketball media days with you, I don't. We went to Geno's. There you go. Cause yeah. if, if it's you, it's pizza.
1: It is. Yeah. except you guys were here and we were planning to go you know meet up and get dinner together i was going to take you to this place that has um it serves bone marrow and uh i'm
0: not sure how he would have reacted to that one
1: Uh, yeah it's it's a burger place and it's funny because i took alex there and we're walking up to like the outside of the building and she's like Derek, I'm not dressed appropriately enough for this. Like, I need to be dressed nicer for this. And the name of the place would lead you to believe that it's like a fancy French restaurant. And then you walk into it, and it looks like a very classic, like, dive bar corner, like, hole in the corner um, that you'd find in New York City, like a big city. And it's just a burger joint. But it also has... Bone marrow is an appetizer that it serves and people go there. There was this guy that, that we talked to last time we were there that was like, yep, I come here every week and I get, he gets a fried bologna sandwich and he gets bone marrow.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So we'll uh,
0: next time. Well, Well, I I was already, I was already talking about we're going to have to be back anyway, because uh, Nebraska is playing at Purdue. And instead of flying to Indy to go to Purdue, I think we're just going to fly to Chicago and then drive from there because it's just easier.
1: Perfect. (laughs) perfect. There you go. We're planning things out. Uh, my, my brain immediately was like, well, when they come from Northwestern, they're not coming from Northwestern. They're going across the pond. We are, to we go are play going Northwestern. to Dublin. <laughs> and that game is coming up real quick. It's August already, which is cool, which means fall camp has opened. So, Aaron, is open. So, why I'm the-
0: sitting here in the stadium right now. Yes.
1: Aaron, I have you on the podcast today. We're going to talk about fall camp. Um, but first, before we get to that, like and I and I understand for people that like listen to this podcast every week. There wasn't a podcast last week. We were gonna talk about this last week. Like I feel like discourse in the Husker bubble is sort of like social media trends. Like you see a trend on TikTok, and after like three or four days, it's completely burned itself out of the zeitgeist and they're on to something else. I feel like that's kind of the case with with the like the Nebraska discourse bubble so for anybody that was like worked up or had to take on scott frost's opening statement or lack thereof at big 10 media day i feel like a lot of you are probably like moved on from it but since i haven't gotten to talk to anybody about it and i have a thought that i wanted to run by you you were there you saw it i didn't watch the clip initially i read brandon's column brandon vogel's column Mm -hmm. and the tone was sort of like this is a make or break year for Scott Frost. He's acting like it. He's done talking. We're not going to learn a bunch about what's going on with them until they get on the football field. I saw a couple other columns that like, framed the moment with Frost where he steps to the podium, people are waiting to see if he's going to start talking, and then the – like the moderator says, would you like to give an opening statement? And he goes, nope, straight to questions. I've seen several folks in columns frame that moment as something like more, I don't know, more nefarious than it actually was. Like Frost like w- didn't want to be there. He was angry. Um, a whole bunch of other things. And it's interesting because I read about it and then actually watched the thing. And when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, this is Frost. This is his personality. This is Frost. This is just this is who he is. Mm -hmm. And part of it is, you know, what's he going to say that he hasn't said a billion times over the last four years and gotten raked over the coals for every time he said it? Um, But the other thing that I thought was interesting about it was it kind of feels like that was the precursor to what this year is going to be like on the Scott Frost train. That was the litmus test. For people, because people who don't like Scott Frost, people who don't believe that he's going to turn this thing around, people who don't think he should still be the head coach in Nebraska, viewed that moment. And if they had like a media space with which to use to broadcast their opinion, said that that was a bad moment. People who like Frost or at the very least are indifferent towards him or think like, I want this to work. So let's just wait and see saw that moment and we're like okay cool like straight to questions good job other coaches do that all the time Mm -hmm. that kind of it kind of feels like that that's what this season is going to be like this season is going to be a bunch of complete overreaction to every little thing that scott frost says and the fact that he has now sort of pulled back a little bit of the access that you guys have traditionally gotten i feel like it's going to get it's going to make that a little bit even more worse would you agree with that
0: well i just also want to say really quick um That whole thing with the questions, I think what's really important is that people also recognize that that he had just also spoken with all of us for like 45 minutes prior to that. So by the time he was getting there because of their schedule, it was more or less like I have already talked about so much literally right before this. So I don't think that whole like just going straight to questions was him even being like trying to even really make a point. I think in hindsight, probably could have like just said a couple of sentences about like we're really looking forward to the season. But like I don't think it was something. Something where he was trying to create. Like, I don't think it was like anything, like he was stirring anything up. I think it was just like, I've already had. This whole conversation with everybody, I why, why, what am I like, what am I doing, and it's also hard when you're watching it from. And like you've been to media days, so you see this, but like the setup is also kind of like the people weren't ready for the questions right away. So like when he goes straight to questions, they're like, oh, we have to go get a microphone to somebody now. So like it was just like the whole production of like television, everything that kind of just made it like if you're watching from home, you probably maybe misread it a little bit. Like I said, he could have still just said like a couple of sentences, like every coach does and just be like, I'm really excited about the year and whatever. And that would have been fine. Would it have mattered? Who knows? But like, it is kind of like, it is, I think probably the best way to say it is what you just pointed out of like this, this season is done. Like there are no questions in the sense, like I don't mean the season is done this season. It's the questions for seasons. It's done. Like this is an answer time. It's kind of one of those things where, like, it doesn't really matter anymore if you, you know, stand up there and give the opening statement if you can't then address the questions. And so this is this is really, truly a make or break year for Nebraska and particularly Scott Frost. And that for me is, you know, I, I think you could make correlations of that. And I just I also think like having watched that whole thing play out on Twitter, I think. I think it was kind of like people were reacting too harshly both ways. I just think it was what it was.
1: <laughs> this is going to be such a drama filled season. This is put this uh, season on like have a, have a college football version of Hard Knocks on HBO and let Nebraska be the initial, the initial team to focus on. And you would have must see television. You just, mm-hmm. you would obviously never get that access with, with this regime for HBO, but it'd be incredible. This is going to be such a drama filled season, but also truly really will. The other thing that i thought was funny was like well like the the folks that wanted frost to give a platitude or say something like get up there and like thank trev alberts for like giving him another year like you think trev alberts wants like a public i don't know like you think trev alberts wants scott frost to get up and in, in public every time he's making a public appearance or a speaking engagement and say thank you trev alberts for not firing me no i feel like the thing that Trev Alberts wants more than anything else is for Scott Frost to win some damn football games. Like <laughs> it's the only thing that that is going to matter. But also I would imagine that Scott Frost has expressed his gratitude to Trev Alberts for not firing him a number of ways since it was announced that Frost was coming back for a fourth season, which is, which is another thing. Um, before we continue, I want to take a second and thank the sponsor FSC edge. I ask questions for a living. The best Q&A sessions that I've ever been in have been ones where I felt like the person on the other side of the tape recorder was invested in me just as much as I was invested in them. Talk to folks who've worked with FSC Edge, who have gone to the offices, who have met with, and they will all tell you the same thing. You'll get the same kind of treatment. FSC Edge integrates AI technologies, case management tools, and augmented operators to optimally process patent documents quickly And accurately, they work with some of the largest patent offices around the world to manage thousands of patent applications and granted patents. We're talking about a place that deals on a massive scale, protecting inventors and advancing innovation, but does so in a way that makes every client who walks in the door feel important and heard. FSC Edge is always looking for new members to come on board and join their team. You'll be doing impactful work and learning about patents in a welcoming, easygoing environment. Check out available jobs today by going to jobs at fsc.com. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
2: I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. The full story has never been told, so I'm gonna tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for BroomGate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. BroomGate. What was the most interesting
1: thing that you heard at Media Day? Could be Nebraska related, could be completely, you know, off the beaten path from, you know, maybe you had another fun moment with James Franklin or PJ Fleck or something. <laughs>
0: Uh, James Franklin went the second day so we didn't get to give him a yearbook this year which was kind of sad no I think the most interesting thing was hearing Scott Frost say that he's sad about giving up the offense like that was what we knew to be true we know that like the offense is his baby and that he loves calling an offense and that um, that that is something that we've all been kind of keeping an eye on and um, it was interesting because somebody told me that like I am uh, basically like be negative by bringing this up and I don't know why because it's not a negative thing. He was just saying I am sad like I, I'm kind of like he's still going to be like a part of the conversation and everything else but like he like to hear him like that was in my opinion the most like real thing he could have said was i'm I'm sad about this and like to hear his players also say yeah, it, it's been an adjustment for him. Um, I think that is when you start to see people, for who they are and they're like they become more real in those moments so like I don't think feeling like that was an interesting moment is a negative negative thing unless you want to make it one I actually think it was really telling about kind of where he's at and like as he's transitioning into what we are being told is the CEO role uh hearing him say that it was to me that was really interesting
1: Do you think that that's like we're going to get into the season and we're going to be four games into the year and it's still going to just be Mark Whipple's thing? Because, like, if you look at Frost, I mean, like, imagine asking Pat Fitzgerald to have zero input in Northwestern's defense. Like, he probably wouldn't be too happy about that. And it probably wouldn't last very long if they tried to do that. And you think about Scott as a head coach and as he got his start as a head coach, you know, you think about the 2017 central Florida team and you see Scott Frost smiling on a football field. Like uh-huh. he genuinely enjoy it when it's working. He genuinely enjoys it. And you can say that about a lot of coaches. It's not just specific to him, but like, I, I'm curious, you know, if, if folks buy that, that's going to happen initially at all. And I'm curious if you, by the the you know let's say that they get into the start of the season and it's still an adjustment period and four games in that that's still going to be i guess the the working relationship between the two of them
0: yeah i mean he's been saying this since spring that this is it's a relationship like he still has input he's still um you know having like he's still part of the discussion but i think the thing that is more is going to be really interesting is watching how it plays out on a game day um and I, that I guess for me, I just I would like to see when the going gets tough, um, how that plays out, and if he feels like he needs to step in, or if he kind of keeps the CEO role. Um, that, that is going to be an interesting thing to kind of observe, because like you said, like this the offense is like a part of who he is and um, asking somebody to kind of step back on those things is would be hard for anyone. And again, like I said, like I, I had a comment telling me that I was being negative about it. And I don't think this is a negative thing. I think it's actually like one of the most like telling things about him as a coach is just like, he has built his coaching career, um, on the offense identity. And when you're kind of taking a step back and even though you're still a part of the conversation, it's not so much yours anymore. You're now part of it, but you're, you're kind of taking the back seat to the person who's leading that, that would be tough for anyone to kind of make that adjustment. So it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that adjustment in my opinion, going into this season. And I think it will tell us a lot about what we are going to see all season long based on how they respond when things get tough
1: so you've heard from him at media day nebraska is obviously open fall camp so you've been to a practice what what would you say is is the messaging from this coaching staff to open fall camp like there's always like a you know we're focused on growth or we're focused on detailing or we're happy to get back on the field like there's always like a kind of a a tent pole message that a coaching staff has to open fall camp. Uh Have you, have you gotten a sense for what Nebraska's is or what Frost's is?
0: It, I think it kind of sounds a lot like they're just putting their heads down and getting to work. Or at least that's the way that it feels. We, we just heard the day that this podcast is being recorded from special teams and running backs. Those were the, kind of the two areas of focus that we heard from. And you just hear about a lot of player-led, a lot of like really putting, you know, just putting their heads down, getting to work. And so um, I kind of, you know, temper that with like, I completely understand if someone's like, well, why hasn't that happened in the past? That's a fair question and criticism. Um, but it just seems like they're really kind of just like, we, we just gotta, we gotta put our heads down and put the work in and get it, you know, we, we really can't, there's not, there's really no room for error at this point. And I don't think there was in the past either, but I think there's kind of a reality check of like where they're at today and what needs to happen. Um, now with that said, I don't think things feel overly tense. I will admit, like, it doesn't, like you don't get this sense of people are kind of like uptight, at least not the assistance. Um, and you know, actually when that was a huge talking point about, uh, the assistance not being available throughout the fall to talk with the media, it's only going to be coordinators. Um, actually getting the vibes of the assistance through fall camp so far, it kind of, for me reiterates why I'm, I'm disappointed that they won't be available because I think a lot of times you get more insight sometimes into like situations, what's going on. Um, but at the same time, like they're also just a little bit, like they seem more relaxed. Um, so like that can be a really good thing when you're talking about like just how people are perceiving your program and how things are going is just the fact that they, they don't feel overly tense. Um, so it'll be interesting, I guess, to see how the coordinators and Frost sort of navigate that through fall since they won't have the assistance to also kind of like gauge their, you know, temp- Like it's like a temperature rate, like gauge where you're like, okay, what's kind of like going on here? It's not only going to be, you know, three people sort of answering for a bigger room instead of the whole group. So, you know, I think that just the real, the messaging so far has just been like, they're putting in the work. And like what that ultimately shows up as, what it ultimately means will yet to be determined. But that is at least what they want us to know. And they've really been preaching that of like everybody's working really hard. There's a lot of competition at a lot of position groups. So I think competition is another one that keeps coming up. It's going to be interesting.
1: So Nebraska is in an interesting spot in the sense that there are there are folks that view Nebraska as fifth place in the Big 10 West as a team that is going to completely fall on its face this is not going to work this is just sort of a i don't know one year like get ready for the firing squad for Scott Frost kind of deal um, and then there are other folks like Brett Tiantia, who I had on my podcast recently for Pick 6 Previews, that thinks that Nebraska can finish second in the West. There's a wide range of, of beliefs with this Nebraska team. And I'm trying to remember a, a, another recent season where I felt like people were this divided on what they could be. There was, you know, the initial at the start of Frost's tenure – there was, well, we'll see what happens. And then year two, they're gonna be pretty good. And everybody was kind of on that boat. They're gonna be pretty good. Maybe not, you know, UCF year two jump, but they're gonna be pretty good. And then it didn't happen. And then it seems like that people have just been kind of like, well, we'll wait, we'll wait and see over the last couple of years. But this 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 offseason has just felt different in the sense that there are there's a there are clear this ain't gonna work sides and there are clear actually nebraska's pretty good they're pretty good don't sleep on nebraska that's like that's a thing that that i've noticed i'm curious in, in just kind of like getting to speak a little bit with players like what's the like has that been brought up like do they recognize that or do they i guess has that been something that kind of resonates with them that that maybe you could interpret that as there are as few expectations on this team as there have been on a Nebraska team in the Scott Frost tenure so far, which like is is an insane thing to say because obviously he has to win to keep his job. But at the same time, like when no one knows what you're going to look like, it's hard to place expectations on what you should hit. Like, like, do you get that sense from the team that, that they kind of, I don't know that they're aware of that.
0: Uh, I, yes and no, I think, you know, obviously they're aware of like the, like what people expect and what people are saying about them or not saying about them for that matter. Um, but I think maybe when you bring in 33 new scholarship players who are not a hundred percent familiar with like what has been happening, like, yeah, they know, they know Nebraska's record and everything else, but they didn't live those moments. So I think a little bit of it is, um, they're maybe not quite as, uh, they just haven't experienced it like themselves. So that probably helps a little bit and kind of buffering or at least creating a buffer between like what people are saying or have said or not saying um, and what they're kind of expecting going into this season. Because like, I wouldn't expect Trey Palmer who played for LSU last year to like have a full understanding of what that 2021 season was like, same thing for Casey Thompson. Sure. He's studying last year and he can kind of understand, but until you've like you're living it in the moment and you're experiencing those feelings in real time where fans have all the expectations or none of the expectations. It's probably a little bit of like, you know, you can kind of set your own expectations at least right now, where you can say like anything that was in the past was in the past. We can kind of just refocus ourselves. Um, So, yeah, I actually think all of the new players probably helps Nebraska to a little bit of a degree insulate itself from, what people are are not saying at this point. So I think a lot of their expectations are just expectations um, that they've set on they've set for themselves. And uh, they probably haven't really had to start thinking too much of outside expectations because it just hasn't been something that they've had to like worry about yet. Um, and I don't know if they necessarily need to worry, but it does get hard. If, if a season starts going the way you don't want it to go, it can get really hard to ignore the outside noise. Like I always kind of go back to this moment where I don't want to call this player out, but I remember in 2017 when kind of the trajectory of Mike Riley's last season was going the way that it was, we, we knew it was going to happen. And, um, one of the players was like, I know I'm not supposed to care. I know I'm not supposed to listen to any of this. I know I'm not supposed to, I'm supposed to like block it out and who cares. And, um, it's not supposed to be something on my radar, but like, it's really hard. It's really hard not to hear it. It's really hard not to see it. And so I think about that a little bit where they're insulated today What does that look like two months from now? And that's where um, I think we'll probably see a little bit more of them either feeling the pressure of or, you know, how do they combat against that depending on how this season goes.
1: We're driven by the
2: search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed.
0: a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
1: You mentioned all the new players that reminded me I wanted to ask you. I was at so I was at Pac 12 Media Day <laughs> over the weekend.
0: We got better gifts. Although I do have to say really quick, they gave us better gifts. They gave us more of that beef jerky. So the Alliance is still very strong, Um, but they gave us better gifts at the volleyball media days. than they did football media days.
1: Let me say this, and this is not what I was going to say, but the the irony was inescapable that um, Pac-12 media day was in a like, quote unquote, cooler place, was in downtown Los Angeles compared to Indianapolis. It was at a better venue, which was at the Novo Theater, um, which was like this just really beautiful theater on the inside. Like, it looked cool. It It it
0: looked
1: looked cool. (laughs) Looked cool. The Big Ten's media day is in a football stadium. Mm -hmm. Um, The irony was inescapable that the Pac-12 setup looked cooler. Aesthetically was better than the Big Ten's. And from a functionality standpoint, failed. Horribly. Every single person in there was using a hotspot. They were all on their hotspots because we couldn't get the internet to work. And they decided so they decided that they wanted to put so that it you know like the Big Ten splits it up into two days. You mentioned right, so you'll get coaches and then you'll get coaches the next day. And there'll be a break in the day, and then you'll get breakouts of other players. That was not the case with the Pac-12. The Pac-12 had coach at the main stage, and then probably. Twenty feet away, both players from the same team are talking at the same time in the same room with the coach, and the coach's microphone is turned up very loudly. So, trying to go back through this audio and listen to players is a nightmare. So, from a okay. functionality standpoint, this thing failed. It failed. The Big Ten was better, and I just couldn't. Well, you know, the I, like I, you know, I thought that that was uh, that that was pretty interesting given all uh, the, uh, the stuff that's going on with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and, and why this stuff is going on with the Big Ten and the Pac-12. But I wanted to say... Um,
0: the Wi-Fi was no better at Lucas Oil, so just if that makes you feel better. I used my hotspot the entire
1: time. All right. Well, welcome back, football season. What I wanted to say was everyone wanted to talk about... Everyone and their grandmother wanted to talk about NIL <laughs> and the transfer portal. That was all anybody wanted to talk about. No. Was that the case at big 10 media days as well. Like did the transfer portal dominate conversation at, at big 10 media days as well? Like, Oh f- yeah,
0: f- for sure. Like it was transfer portal because the big question at the time was, as they were trying to decide if like un- the whole unlimited transfers thing that news had just kind of broken, like the day before, if like unlimited transfers would be able to be allowed. Um, obviously we know now that like, that's not going to pass. I'm um, glad
1: that there was enough pushback on that. I'm glad that was well, a problem.
0: Garrett Nelson, he was one of the ones who was like, I don't like that. And actually some of his quotes got a little taken out of context because he was not talking about transfers in general. He was talking about I would not be a fan of unlimited transfers because then he's like, How do you build any trust across people like different groups? Like, how do you how do you build any kind of like trust? He wasn't well, saying also,
1: how do you how do you obtain a degree at that point? Well As, yeah, you're you know, you're not. My- <laughs> My my brother was trying to transfer colleges, and my college roommate transferred colleges while we were in school. And in both instances, trying to figure out how your credits transfer over to a new school was like a big deal. Like I get like. Uh-huh anyway sorry no it's true
0: but i I felt i did feel bad for um garrett a little bit i think some people like misinterpreted how he was like here like he here's this player with all of these transfers on his team talking about how he doesn't like it no he was talking about the unlimited transfers piece it just got lost i think in some of that translation of like that's the hard part what you're talking about with some of these media days is like it's really easy for information to just kind of go and then like if it's not like accurately you know, represented, like, that's not good. But I mean, he was talking about he wouldn't be a fan of unlimited transfers. I thought it was really interesting. Travis Vokalek like, said, um, you know, the year he had to sit out was actually really f- f- like a fundamental year for him. It taught him how to like, be patient in the moment and not like, you know, to really focus on what he needed and wanted to focus on. Um, and then well, in, uh,
1: the, in that time period, he also talked about how beneficial that was for him to work on his blocking technique.
0: Yes, he did talk about that. So he got
1: as a player during that during um,
0: show. Yeah, it's uh it was it was interesting to hear from him as well. I thought his perspective was interesting. And then Quentin Newsom was kind of like in the middle of both of them where he's just like, I want everyone to be happy. Um, so <laughs> it was kind of like you had the Travis who was like talking about like what transferring meant to him and you had Garrett Nelson and then you had Quentin Newsom just being like everybody can be happy wherever they need to be. Um, it, yeah, the, that became, so it was definitely NIL transfer portal. Um, uh, the super conferences, the uh, conference expansion was obviously another big topic. And a lot of people were asking these players, like, what, what does it mean to you to have USC and UCLA? And it was so funny because so many of them had to be like, um, I won't be a player yeah. here when that happens. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yep. <laughs>
0: I won't physically be here but great for everyone else. Love that for them. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. That was uh like it's funny because you know all of that stuff is so new. So all of us media folks are like we still want to write about that and talk about that mm-hmm. and ask coaches about transfer portal and NIL stuff like that. And you can really tell that coaches are like, look, this has been our life. 365 days a year for like the last three years. Like this isn't the novelty is worn off. This isn't new for us anymore. We're done. I want to talk about football and you like, I could tell like when coaches got asked football questions, when players got asked football questions, they just lit up It's football (laughs) season. We're back to football. So let's get back to football real quick. And one more question I want to ask before you, before we get you out of here is what is a, a camp battle that you're most interested in watching in Nebraska? And you can't say quarterback. I didn't tell you this in in the show notes that I gave you, but you can't say quarterback.
0: Um, I am going to say, that's a good question. Um, I would say running back is going to be really interesting. I think we know that it's between Gabe Irvin and, uh, Ramir Johnson. It seems pretty much like that's not surprising to anyone. Um, Brian Applewhite said he's not ready to name his RB one just yet, but like everything else he has said, it's really pretty much like between those two. So it'll be really interesting. I think more or less what I'm more interested in, like whether it's Gabe, whether it's Ramir, Um, whether it's a combo of both in some way is like one thing that has not been consistent with Nebraska in recent years is it's running back spot and sticking with a player. And it feels like every week there's a new RB one. So like for me, I'm like, okay, if whoever this player is, are they going to remain in that top spot or what happens? So um, that's what I'm really interested in. And I think we all have to be really interested in the offensive line and where, where that group ends up, like more than anything else, like this offense is going to live and die by that offensive line. And, um, that's, that's one group. Cause I was going to go pull up. So Drake, Drake healer was, I was obviously, as we were talking about, I was in, um, uh, Chicago on Monday. So I didn't get to observe the first like open practice. I'll get to see one in the coming like in the next week. Um, so this is what he saw was that Turner Corcoran lined up at left, both left guard and left tackle throughout drills. Uh, he was primarily tackle. He started nine games at left tackle. Teddy Perhuska spent time at the left tackle with Corcoran at guard. Um, so he kind of like just went through like uh Trent Hickson was the one mostly working at center. None of these are like surprising. Like it's all kind of what we were thinking. We we've kind of been told long enough that Trent Hickson is likely going to be taking that, that spot with Cam Juergens moving on. But Ethan Piper also lined up under center or under center. Ethan Piper also lined up at center, excuse me. He wasn't lining up at quarterback, although that would make for a really interesting quarterback piece. If yeah. Ethan Piper started lining up at quarterback and, yeah. um, but no, I think just kind of how that offensive line uh, officially looks come game one is going to be interesting because um, it, it, so much of so much of this offense relies so heavily on it, and um, I, I've seen this conversation play out a little bit where people are like. You know, Casey Thompson can scramble. It's not about Casey Thompson or any quarterback being able to scramble. They don't want them to do that unless it's an absolute necessity, unless they have to unless it's a designed situation, or unless they have no other choice. They do not want Casey Thompson or Chuba Purdy or Logan Smothers or anybody running around like Adrian Martinez had to like, they don't want that to be what happens. So that, that offensive line has to be incredibly tough, has to be really strong and seeing where they line up and what they rotate and how that, it's going to be really that for me, that's, that's going to be the one to watch. And I don't think that that shocks anyone. Everything kind of lives and dies by those lines. So you could make the same argument like for, for the defensive line, how that whole situation looks, but I would probably put more emphasis on the offensive line right now since a lot more of it is unknown.
1: Forgive me if this is a stupid question. is healthy, isn't he?
0: Ready to go? I mean, that's what, so for the record, for anyone who's like, whoa, it's this, like, we are going entirely off of what we have been told. Um, and yes, like, we have no reason to believe that, like, when it came to the offensive line, it was Rayola who said, like, everybody is, um, is good to go and working. Um, Teddy, Teddy is somebody that, uh, you know, he's had, he has had a rough go, um, but yeah, he he is all what we have been told is he is ready to go. Uh, but be, like,
1: should I be worried then that that he's not getting the bulk of the first team snaps at left tackle?
0: This offensive line. Like,
1: is so- I, I'm kind of I'm that because that kind of concerns me. <laughs> um, there was so much talk about Turner moving over to the other side of the line. You know, we saw what Turner's play at left tackle looked like last season. Um, I'd like to see Teddy get. Assuming he's healthy, I'd like to mm-hmm. see Teddy get as many first-team left tackle snaps as possible. Yeah. Now, I know you weren't there, and you're just kind of going off of what Drake wrote, but that's yeah, uh, So, that's not what so, I want to hear.
0: So, but like, so if you have Turner, so I guess like, like I'm trying to think of like, I feel like you're going to see. Okay. So again, I'm just going to look at this. So Turner was lining up at left guard and left tackle. Um, Mm -hmm. Teddy was just at left tackle with, so when Teddy was in at tackle, Corcoran was at guard. So, could that mean that they're just going to like be able to rotate them around? Is it something where like, they're just trying to, you know, be careful with him and not like have him overdo it at least to start. Or are they just trying to see who fits best where, um, I, I admittedly, um, having not been able to be there. So like, I also, um, didn't like, that's also like a part of it is like, I didn't get to see it myself. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. I'm gonna, other, I'm, gonna
1: the, I'm gonna immediately text Drake when we get off this podcast, and I'm gonna tell him I need to know right now. I need when to Turner know. was at the at those left tackle snaps, when he's taking those left tackle reps, is it the first team offense or the second team offense? Yeah, <laughs> I that's know. That's gonna determine my outlook for the we offensive need, line for this season after day one. We I'm either we, in or out.
0: We need to hear from Rayola again. That's like the thing, and this is why. Like, it's so you know big to hear from coaches is like, you get to hear their perspective. You get to hear their, like, even if like, they're only telling you to a degree what you want to hear. Um, it's still helpful to hear them. So like, we should be hearing from Rayola next week because we've heard from pretty much everyone, but him at this point. Um, so long story short, we, we should be hearing from him. And then that, um, that will be interesting too, just to kind of like get a refresher with him at this point, kind of what to expect going forward.
1: It'll be a week and a half, maybe a week into fall camp at that point. So he'll, he'll have seen some stuff, not probably not enough to you know make definite decisions on um, a too deep, but he'll, he'll have seen some stuff. I'm glad that you went with the offensive line because two years in a row, that's been the most important position um, or group unit. With Nebraska in terms of determining what their success is going to be, so
0: I had somebody bring it up to me yesterday. They were like, "Hey, if Cam Jurgens ends up, you know, with the Eagles being great, what do you make of that?" And I was like, <laughs> "I think you got to stop letting your talent go be great elsewhere. You you need them to be great here now." And so I think you know that's going to be the ultimate challenge for Rayola is can you can you get the most out of these players here now in this moment versus letting them graduate, go to the NFL and becoming successful then? Like, it's great to like have this pipeline of players who go to the NFL and are great offensive linemen, but it's not great when you're like, well, oh, they didn't you know, have the performance they should have at Nebraska. That is something that has to be fixed. Um, they need to be, they need to be excellent
1: now. <laughs> yeah. I think Cam will be a pretty good guard in the NFL. And I, but I also think that if if he is a pretty good guard in the NFL, it shouldn't say bad things about Scott Frost because I, I don't think he was a bad offensive lineman in college, which is why he no, got No,
0: and I'm not saying that. I'm not he saying that not saying No, that
1: I know, I know. I'm just saying he just happened to play on an offensive line that had absolutely – that that had bad tackle play. He was on an offensive line that had bad tackle play.
0: Yeah, and he's also like when you think about um... – When you just think about like his journey, he was a converted tight end who had to learn in a situation that was like that first year was super rocky because I mean, he came into his own Quickly enough, but the first few games were pretty rocky. And, you know, I think he kind of found his way, but Cam couldn't be everything for everyone on that offensive line. And then you have guys getting injured and things happening. And it just was like he was a good player. But that's what I'm saying is like if you are Rayola, you need those players to be great today. So maybe in some of these cases, as he's rotating these players around, if it's a matter of trying to keep guys fresh and healthy, that's. Per, that's good uh that's another thing you need to get the most out of these players today and versus them going off and being great elsewhere
1: we'll see Aaron, they need to go. be
0: great elsewhere too but here too they need to be great at nebraska as well
1: you're <laughs> great here first. great
0: here first
1: and then go be good someplace else preferably <laughs> in the professional league not at another college team
0: yes this unless, so, unless we're we're workshopping the tagline
1: unless you're adrian i think i think if adrian is good elsewhere people will be happy i do too i think
0: think a lot of nebraska fans are going to be like secretly watching a lot of k-state games yeah no one no you can just you can say absolutely not i will not in the comment section of this video that's fine i don't believe you um it's cool
1: all right aaron you gotta you gotta go you got stuff to do you gotta get out of here thank you for coming on the podcast i appreciate having you on it was glad to to finally do this after yes two weeks of talking about it well thank you we'll be back with another episode next week in the meantime keep reading dot go to hill backslash subscribe use the promo code varsity make sure that you get all of your nebraska football fix you can read everything as long as you are subscribed you also get the magazine that way um Aaron, you're still doing your podcast with Sasha, aren't you? Mind your own. I
0: am. Um, In fact, uh, we'll be. We just this week talked about uh, Big Ten volleyball media days and just our like what the experience was and what I thought with that. So um, yeah, still still going, and uh, we'll be excited to take that into football season, volleyball, everything in between.
1: Yep, go listen to it. Mind your own podcast. Aaron Swanson and Sasha Durkin. Shouts to you guys for listening to this show every week. Shouts to Aaron for coming on once more, and then shouts to Cam for producing this episode. Every week, we will be back next week. And I mean it this time. We will be back next week. There's nothing that will prevent me from from being back next week. No random impromptu flights that I have to take. Thanks, guys.